Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. How are we all? I hope you're doing well. I feel like I haven't spoken to you in ages because the last time I spoke to you was before I went on my holiday and now I've been back for nearly a week. But yes, I'm back. I had such a lovely time. I honestly couldn't recommend going to Lisbon enough. I thought it was such an amazing city. Literally after a day I was like, okay, I'm moving here. When I'm, when are we moving? <laughs> There's just so much to... I was gonna say there's so much to do but like when you actually break it down we probably didn't do that much other than eat a lot of food and walk around places which you can do in every city I guess but it's just so beautiful and like every morning we were really lucky with our accommodation when I say lucky I mean just we picked well the building had a lovely rooftop that got so much sun like it wasn't shaded at all and every morning we'd go up there with our coffee and we'd buy fresh fruit from the supermarket the night before and go up there with our peaches and our pastel donadas and our coffee and just like take in the gorgeous views of Lisbon and then start our day. It was just, oh, it was stunning. What was my highlight of the trip? Oh, sorry. Also, we went to Lagos after that for a few beach days, which actually ended up, we, we kind of fucked it. Well, we didn't fuck it, but like, Okay, so we went out on our last night in Lisbon and then our original plan was to get an early bus so that we could have the whole day in Lagos. We stupidly didn't book the bus until we were on the night out and at this point it was like half one and obviously me drunk at half one, I'm like, I'm not getting up at seven o'clock. <laughs> so I book us like a 1pm bus, I think. So stupid because you have to check out anyway at like 11. So then I'm lugging this big giant 25 kilogram suitcase around the cobble streets of Lisbon, literally getting beeped at by every car driving on the road. But I couldn't go on the footpath because it was literally like hell trying to drag it along on the cobblestones. So we propped ourselves at this, oh my God, this unreal cafe for brunch that we'd been to the day before. I was like, I need one of those breakfast burritos again in this state and had to just sit there until we had to go get our bus but yeah that was a really stupid move because then not only did we have to sit there and wait with our luggage we also then missed that whole day in Lagos so we didn't get in until I think it was like 5 p.m but then by the time we got to our accommodation probably like 6. So yeah that's what I mean by fucked it we then just gave ourselves like two beach days and then of course, one of the days in Lagos, I'm too hungover to even go to the beach. So we just lied on by the pool. But I mean, it was still gorgeous. <laughs> I'm just a little bit annoyed at myself for that. But anyway, highlight of the trip. I'm going to say that it was the walking tour. Now, I literally say this every time I go to any city. I come away from it and say the walking tour was the best part about it. Or there's been some places I've gone and I've done the bike tour. I think I did a bike tour in Barcelona. Every city you go to, especially if it's your first time in a new city, I 100% urge you to do a walking tour or a bike tour of the city and try and do it on your first day because it'll mean you then get your bearings for the rest of the trip. It means you can like mark off places on your map that you want to maybe go back to. It also means you learn a bit of history and there's a bit of context behind all these different like landmarks and buildings and this architecture that you're seeing. You're kind of understanding more what it is. It's not just a pretty sight as much as, you know, as, as lovely as it is to just walk around a city and take in the views like that. Sometimes it is really nice knowing the history behind it. And I also think an amazing part of them is that the tour guide that does them is obviously local to the city and they will have heaps of recommendations for you. So I know a lot of the time you go to cities, you have recommendations from other people and maybe you have every dinner and every breakfast planned and you don't need any recommendations. But a lot of the time they will have really great recommendations that like you wouldn't be getting from your friends and family, you know, because they're local. They'll be able to tell you where to get really authentic tapas or to, where to go to listen to like really good Portuguese fado music or whatever it is. They'll always have great recommendations. And I just think always spend day. We actually didn't spend day one doing it. We did it on our last day because we were really unorganized. But I would say always do it on your first day in a new city, a walking tour or a bike tour. A lot of the ones that will come up, it'll say free walking tour. Like we just looked up free walking tour at Lisbon. But just know that it never actually is free. Because I remember, I think when I was like 18 in derailing, I did like a 
quote unquote free walking tour in Prague and then find out at the end it obviously isn't free or well, I think they tell you at the start that it wasn't free and you should tip your tour guide whatever you feel the guide was worth and they give you kind of like a rough guide of how much a tour guide like that of that length would cost um so you have something to go by if you know what I mean um yeah so you should always tip your tour guide I think as well because they rely on tips and they so so they want to make the tour as enjoyable and as entertaining as possible for you you know they're the one then reaping the benefits of that after because the way it works is they kind of pay to be a tour guide for that company and then they keep the tip money if you know what I mean kind of like in the same way uber works like uber drivers will pay uber to be an uber driver but then they get paid obviously through uber or like through the customers so they want to make it as good as possible and i feel like because of that it's just always so much more entertaining than doing something where i don't know just like a tour around a museum or something like that where it's just like they don't care to make it more interesting sorry that that's just their job they're just getting paid early it doesn't change on whether they make that exciting for you or not. Do you know what I mean? And that's maybe not a very good comparison because like how can you make a museum massively entertaining? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they always get a really good balance, I think, of like making it entertaining while also it being educational and like informational at the same time. Informational? Is that a word? I think it is. Lagos for anyone that hasn't been you know what is actually a lot bigger than what I remembered apparently Lagos is a city also don't get confused for there's a Lagos in Nigeria this is the Lagos in Portugal I'm speaking about because when my friend saw I was in Lagos she was like surely you're not in Nigeria I'm so jealous and I was like no babe don't worry I'm just in Portugal <laughs> sorry northern Portugal isn't amazing I actually am obsessed with Portugal I actually want to go back and travel the whole of Portugal. I think that would be so fun to do in like a van or even just a car and just getting accommodation along the way. There's so many nice little places along the Algarve as well. I think as much as I did love Lagos and it's so fun, like there's so, such good nightlife and there's such good restaurants and everything. Like it kind of just has a little bit of everything Lagos, which is really good. It's got the big beaches and like, you know, the big vast white sandy beaches. And then it's got the little tiny cove beaches with the caves and the cute steps down to them and stuff but I think next time I want to go somewhere maybe a bit more like quiet and villagey that would be cute but yeah Lagos's nightlife is actually hilarious like it's so funny one night we went out for Mexican food and then just like ended up taking shots of tequila and in this like kind of Latina bar that was playing all this like reggaeton music and everyone was dancing and it was just so fun it got so busy and it was stayed so busy for maybe like an hour or two and then all of a sudden just cleared out and I was just like where the fuck did everyone go it was this just us two left dancing and we were like right clearly we're not in on something like everyone must have gone somewhere else must get good now at this time I am aware that in Lagos there's always beach parties because the last time I was there we ended up on the beach after everywhere closed so maybe that's what we missed out on I don't know but yeah if you're wanting any Lisbon or Lagos recommendations I have put together two lists and they're both in my Instagram highlights so if you're ever going to either place make sure you check that out because I I do consider myself like I pride myself in being a foodie and I will scope a place out and make sure that I'm eating in the right places and when I say the right places I don't mean like the best and like the most expensive and the Michelin star places like a lot of the times the the places we'd go to they would be more local and cheaper and it, it really just depends you know there was also places we were going to that were expensive I will say I don't think Lisbon was as cheap as whatever and kind of made it out to be but maybe that's just because of the places we were going to and the and where we were staying not that it was like overly expensive, but I, I feel like everyone had been saying it was so cheap and then I got there and I was like, mm, I'm not really saying that, but <laughs> oh well, it's a holiday. It was fun. And that's the last of the sun for the year. Although I did hear apparently this weekend it's supposed to be 20 degrees and that's on climate change. It's actually Friday the 6th of October today. Tomorrow I'm going to a wedding in Dublin Let's just check the weather here because people keep telling me this and I don't know whether to believe it or not. Oh my god, Belfast is 19 degrees. Sorry, that's unheard of. 
Dublin. Dublin is 22 degrees tomorrow for this wedding. Shut the fuck up. Okay. It's weird, like, one second you think you're experiencing winter and you really get into the autumnal and the winter outfits and then the weather just throws a wobbler and you've got 22 degrees to dress for. If I hadn't done that, I would have got, like, a nice summery looking dress. I've got a black dress to wear in that weather. Okay, anyway, how exciting, though. This is the first wedding I'll be going to, like, as an adult because... I think I've only ever been to one wedding in my life and I'm going to say I was about 10 years old. I don't really remember the what. Mm, actually, I've been to two. I was a flower girl at one when I was about seven. So I've been to two. Don't really remember the one I was a flower girl for. I've just seen loads of pictures for it and I did look really cute. I will say that. <laughs> and the other one, I remember the hotel we stayed at. I don't remember the wedding whatsoever. So this is the first wedding I'll be going to as an adult, being able to partake in the activities, being able to have a drink, being able to dance when the band comes on. And I am so excited about it. I don't even know the people getting married. They're my boyfriend's friends, but I'm going to meet them tomorrow. So yeah, buzzing about that. The one downside though is that I have offered to drive, which I'm kind of fuming about. I'm not fuming about it for the way there. I don't mind for the way there. For the way home after the wedding, I'm dreading it already. Okay, my recommendation for this week is to go pumpkin picking. Guys, I did this the other day with my boyfriend. Cute little date idea. Or I feel like it'd be a really fun thing to do with your friends as well. We went to a little place in Kalinchi called Finley's Place. You can pick pumpkins and squashes and gourds and you can also go strawberry picking. They have strawberry bushes there as well. So we filled up little Tupperware. We brought our own Tupperware and filled them up with fresh strawberries. We came home and we made a pumpkin stew with cannellini beans and loads of garlic and like mushed up veggie sausage into like little sausage balls, like mincy balls. And what else was in there? I don't know, loads of goodness. I actually did record the recipe. I'll have it up on TikTok soon enough, hopefully. And then we had our fresh picked strawberries with some cinnamon sugar for dessert. Cinnamon sugar, by the way, so easy to make. Get some coconut or brown sugar. We used coconut sugar. It was really nice. And mix it with a little sprinkle of cinnamon and then sprinkle it over your strawberries. It was so delicious. And it just felt so nice to like go and pick your food and then come back and make something with it lovely lovely date idea if anyone is stuck for ideas I'm sure there are other places in Northern Ireland where you can do it and I know I feel like in England there's like way way better places to do it I remember seeing in the likes of Zoe Sugg's YouTube videos and they her and Mark would go pumpkin picking and they would be in those like ginormous pumpkin fields this wasn't like that (laughs) this is a lot smaller a lot more low-key but it was still cute that actually I'm gonna say that was my peak of this week as well as my recommendation my pit of this week was just getting my period yesterday my back's just quite sore today I spent all of yesterday just like Do you ever get like period brain when you just can't focus on anything? And what I wish more than anything, because usually I'm quite good at this. Usually I can sense when I'm like that and I can just be like, okay, I'm going to take today off. Like the best thing I can do today is rest because I'm not going to get anything done even if I try to because I can't focus on anything. So I may as well accept that and like binge watch TV and read some of my book and then feel satisfied at the end of the day that I've done those things instead of like feeling frustrated at myself for not getting anything done but instead of doing that I sat there and frustrated myself and tried to get things done but then wasn't in the right headspace and then I don't know just scrolled on TikTok for ages and then realized it had been two hours and I was still sat in front of my mic and hadn't recorded anything do you know what I mean like it just would have been so much more productive in a self-care way to just take that time away so that was my pit of this week I've learned for next time when you feel like that just accept it (laughs) and move on oh another peak of this week actually this week I joined the place I go to do my yoga classes I joined there as a member because I've been going there for years now but because it's kind of been on and off from coming to and from Belfast like I've never been here for an extended amount of time where I've been like okay I want to be a member so I've always either just like 
bought blocks of classes or just paid as I went type of thing just buying one class here one class there then obviously I have been home now since what the end of May but then with like holidays and also I just think in summer like your head's a bit away you're not really focused on your fitness and if you are it's kind of in a different sense like you want to be doing more outdoorsy things going on walks going on runs your timings are different and things like that because you want to be out in the in the daylight for longer so I wasn't doing a huge amount of yoga over summer but now that I'm like fully back and settled and don't have any more holidays planned I've joined as a member and I'm gonna absolutely rinse that membership I'm gonna you'll see me in that place at least four times a week I guarantee it I've actually already been three times this week I'm going to miss my normal Saturday and Sunday class that I go to just because of this wedding. But next week, you can bet I'll be there four or five times. (laughs) And I'm so happy about it. Like, I don't know, there's something so nice in the winter about going into a nice warm yoga room, especially the nighttime ones when you go in and they're warm and they're candlelit. And then you come out and you feel so relaxed. You feel like you're literally floating on a cloud and you just go home and you get into bed with a hot drink and that is like my ideal weeknight in the winter. I love it. And that's what I've been doing. This morning I was actually up early. I got up so proud of myself. The earliest morning I've done in so long, apart from maybe getting a flight. But yeah, the, the earliest morning I've done in ages and it was this morning, 6.45, for to get up for a 7.30 Pilates class. So kind of buzzing about that. I feel like I'm on route to starting my early mornings again. It's weird that I want to do that more in the winter when it's dark at that time as opposed to summer, but I think it's something to do with knowing that your day is going to end earlier. Likewise, so you want to be able to get more done in the morning so then you can, you know, (laughs) does that make sense? So then you have the whole daylight day ahead of you and then it means when the daylight day is over when the sun has set then you can just like chill and just accept you don't have anything left to do do you know what I mean and you can just cozy up see I'm definitely in my gym yoga pilates girl era currently my fitness girl era I'm loving it I feel like this always happens to me once the weather starts to get colder because I rely a lot on exercise for getting my serotonin (laughs) whereas in summer you don't need to rely on it so much you know you've got the sun you've got the socializing you've got the I don't know the nice walks outside and the beautiful nature and that's not to say nature isn't beautiful in this weather but I don't know you don't rely so much on exercise to give you that boost whereas I know that I rely on that in winter so I fully embrace it and become the fitness queen and I'm loving it but yeah, I'm still on my shreddy buzz. So I'm doing, still doing three days a week shreddy in the gym and then those classes as well. But yeah, I'll not bore you anymore with fitness talk. That is my little life update for you guys. This is an advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Guys, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like recently my emotions have just been all over the place, like completely haywire. And I know in myself it's because I'm bottling things up, I'm letting things stress me out and I'm spiralling about them, I'm not talking about it, I'm just sitting there overthinking them, letting them stress me out even more and as a result I'm irritable, I'm getting angry at things I shouldn't really be getting angry at, I'm not able to be present and be in the moment because all I'm thinking is how stressed out I am about certain things. I know I'm not alone in this, I know this is something that so many of us face, we feel like We don't want to talk to our friends and family members about things that are stressing us out because they might seem small or insignificant in comparison to other things. Or we might just not even know how to go about initiating that conversation or opening up in that way to certain people and just getting the words out. And that's why therapy can be such an amazing safe space to get things off of your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down and causing you to feel like this. I have benefited from therapy so much in the past and one of the main things I think therapy brought to my life was just an immediate safe space where I knew it was time for me to talk. It was time for me to open up and talk about my stressors. I didn't have to have this like awkward kind of chat where I was like, hey, I want to talk about this or like not really knowing how to go about that with a friend or a family member. 
It just is that safe space for you to open up about these things straight away and there's no faffing around. And I think dedicating that time each week and allowing that space for you to open up in that way is literally the most beneficial thing for your mental health because just getting it out there takes away half of the stress straight away. And then not only that, but you talk it through, you rationalize it, you learn, you know, different better ways you can cope with these stressors. Also how to develop healthy boundaries and healthy routines and things that are gonna be preventative for these stressors in the first place. Therapy honestly just empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And I mean, who doesn't want that? If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and completely suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a registered therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. My listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash crack. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash crack, C-R-A-I-C. And thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Let's move on to this week's podcast topic. This week, I thought we could talk a little bit about self-sabotage in its various forms because I don't know about you, but I just feel like I can be so self-sabotaging in so many different ways. Like when I actually sat down to think about this topic, when you initially think of self-sabotage, you kind of just think of the real simple things, you know, like sabotaging a relationship or sabotaging applying for a job because you convinced yourself you weren't going to get it. You know what I mean? You think of things like that. But then when I actually sat down to think about this, I was like, I feel like I low level sabotage on a daily basis (laughs) like I actually genuinely think this is a problem to the point that when I sat down and thought about this I was like I think I need to go back into therapy (laughs) yeah I don't know I've really realized now that this is something I need to work on and I don't know why I do this so often and maybe you'll relate to a lot of the kind of more smaller things that you don't necessarily see as self-sabotage but when you break it down they kind of are self-sabotaging habits in a way like even procrastination to an extent is like self-sabotage I don't know let's get into it so first of all I think there are definitely two kind of main forms of self-sabotage one being conscious self-sabotage like when you consciously sabotage something knowing that's what you're doing and maybe not necessarily knowing the reason behind it but like actively knowing that you are destroying that thing for yourself and then you've got subconscious self-sabotage which is probably more common because realistically do we ever really want to consciously self-sabotage like yeah there probably are times we do it but I I would say more often than not self-sabotaging is more of an unconscious behavior or sorry, wait, I just realised I've been saying unconscious. Oh, please just negate all of that. Subconscious. Yeah, subconscious, that's the word. But why do we actually self-sabotage if ultimately what we're doing isn't what we want to do? You know, self-sabotage, it's it's going to have a ne- negative impact on our lives. It's not moving forward in the way we want to move forward. So why do we do it? I've written a list of reasons I think that I sometimes do it or why I think other people sometimes do it as well. So first up, I've said low self-esteem. So you don't necessarily believe you deserve the thing because your self-esteem tells you that you don't. Let's use the job interview as an example here. If your self-esteem is telling you, even though you really want that job and part of you thinks that it would be an amazing fit for you and you actually kind of would be good for it but you also feel very out of your comfort zone and it's a big step up from your current job and you don't necessarily believe in your interview skills and you're just you've got all these anxieties surrounding it and all this kind of inner monologue telling you that you're not good enough for it then even though you really want it and even though you may be a really good match for it you can go and self-sabotage and you could cancel the interview or you could not prepare for it because you just think I'm not going to get it anyway 
So you basically just jump to conclusions by assuming that's what's not going to happen and make that not happen. Like you make that the the reality then by self-sabotaging. Another reason we might self-sabotage that's quite similar to this is when you would rather fail at something because you decided you were going to fail at it than fail at something when you tried, like when you gave it a proper go. I have 100% done this before. This is definitely a more conscious decision. Although, I don't know, maybe people do this subconsciously as well. I remember, for example, for my GCSEs, right? I had the biggest mental battle ever with English literature. It was the one subject I actually really disliked GCSEs. Like, I can honestly say, looking back on it now, I would rather do A levels four times over than ever sit my GCSEs again. Like, that was hellish for me, balancing that many subjects. My brain cannot handle all that. And especially because you don't actually like every subject. Like, a lot of them are just ones you have to do. At least at A levels, like, you've literally picked the three things you want to do. So yeah, anyway, I, me and English literature were not friends. I despised it. I didn't like my teacher, but regardless of teacher, even if I had literally the best teacher in the world, I just did not like the subject. I didn't like going into too much detail on all these books and like reading between the lines in poetry. I was like, can we not just see this for what it is instead of doing all this over analysis of everything? I hated Shakespeare. I just, there was not one smidgen of English literature that I enjoyed and I really struggled with it. And I think part of me couldn't deal with the fact that I struggled with a subject when I didn't struggle with other subjects so much, which is ridiculous because at the end of the day, some people are more like mathsy, sciencey people, some people are more creative, some people are more into their English and their writing and all that, or some people are combinations of everything. Like, you're not always going to be good at everything, but I really struggled with the fact that I just could not wrap my head around English literature. So anyway, I would try and fight it as much as I could and I'd try and do well in all my coursework and everything. And then, and, and I think I did fine in the coursework, but then see when I got to like study leave kind of time and you had to obviously go away on your own and revise for what what do you do like 10 subjects at GCSEs so you have to go away and revise for all these 10 subjects that you have like literally what like more than 20 exams for something it's absolutely ridiculous when you think about it study leave was hell for me study leave is what triggered panic attacks for me (laughs) I have never been in a worse state than I was throughout study leave uh, throughout all three study leaves actually sorry I tell a lie because study leaves for A levels although I was in a bit of a state it was nowhere near as bad as study leave for GCSEs I was feral I was oh my god what I'm thinking about it now I would stress myself out so much I'd panic and revise like fuck and then I'd procrastinate and then I'd freak myself out and then I'd have a panic attack and then I'd revise like fuck and then I'd do an all-nighter and then Oh my, like I was just all over the show. There was not one bit of sanity left in me. So anyway, obviously in this state, I decide, look, there's one thing here. I'm just not, it, it's just not coming to me. And instead of trying to make it come to me and to try and do well, I'm just going to admit defeat and I'm going to fail English it. That's what I decided. And I told my mum it. I literally sat her down one day and I was like, mum, this is stressing me out so much I'm just gonna leave it and just decide that I'm failing a GCSE and she was like that's so fine like (laughs) if you come out with nine passes in your GCSEs and one fails so what like that's still amazing so she was like if that's what's gonna take pressure off you and that's gonna make you feel less stressed then fuck it just let go of English lit and I was like wow thank you so much I'm so glad to hear this from your mouth as well because this is exactly what I want to do I actually ended up not even doing that bad because by the time it all gets averaged out with your coursework anyway, it was grand. But in that moment, I was definitely like making a conscious decision to back out and feel something as opposed to trying at it and feeling. I mean, to be honest, now that I've told that story, I'm kind of thinking, was that self-sabotage or was that actually just me looking out for my sanity? Maybe, yeah, maybe it was just me looking after myself and my sanity 
Okay, that was a bad story to tell. That wasn't even self-sabotage. Another reason we can self-sabotage is when we are used to things going a certain way, then we kind of play into that and make it happen that way. So, you know, if you're used to a certain scenario always going badly, then you're, you just kind of give up and you're like, nah, well, that's always going to go badly for me. That's just the way it is. I'm not going to change that. And you play into that and you make it go badly. Like with my fear of public speaking, if I just give into that and I tell myself, like if the rhetoric in my head is that this is going to go bad because it always goes bad and I always get up there and I always shake and I always get red and I always sweat and (laughs) all these different things. If I tell myself that and that's the story in my head, well, obviously that's what's going to happen then. Things like this can be a little bit harder to unpick because as much as in those times I can tell myself the opposite and I really did, I really have tried to convince myself of the opposite but there's something deep rooted in your head that still knows that's not the case. So even though you're trying to convince yourself there's like another voice there saying haha nice try stop lying to yourself. (laughs) It probably depends on the scenario and how deep rooted the thought is but I think no matter how deep rooted a thought it's never too deep rooted to unpick and to change. A big one, I would say across the board, another reason why we often self-sabotage is just pure laziness. Like how often do we let laziness just get in the way of things that we want to do and things that we know are good for us? I know it happens so often for me. Yesterday was a very good example of that. I think part of this as well is like addiction because you can be really addicted to things that aren't good for you and that are causing you to hold back from doing other things and to self-sabotage and I think a big thing for everyone these days is addiction to your phone and addiction to social media or just media in general like addiction to tv and youtube and social media and just everything that kind of comes with like media and entertainment so that kind of falls under laziness but also I guess addiction in a way do you know what I saw recently that actually really inspired me to stop being so addicted to my phone it was actually Anna Paul on one of her TikToks she showed her screen time on her phone and you would think someone like that that literally vlogs every single day of her life like constantly would have her phone out taking little clips of everything and then editing it after and then by default you kind of think oh she posts on TikTok like she must also be like scrolling on TikTok and Instagram and all of that And her screen time was like, I think it was under two hours or something. And I was genuinely bamboozled. And I was like, do you know what? If someone like that can have an under two hour screen time, like she said on the video herself, she was like, I literally don't go on my phone. Like I take my clips, I get the video edited, I do the voiceover, I post on TikTok and that's me. Like I don't scroll on TikTok. And I was like, if someone like that can do that, I'm sorry, but all of us can be doing the same. There is no excuse for me anymore. (laughs) Another big reason for self-sabotaging can also be perfectionism. So if you have too much of a perfectionist mentality, again, it's kind of like the quitting before you fail kind of mentality because you're scared the outcome won't be perfect. So instead you self-sabotage to mean that you don't get to the final outcome. So it's so you don't have like an imperfect outcome that you're not happy with. Instead, you just self-sabotage and be like, fuck it. A big one that I think has been coming into play for me recently is imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is basically when you feel like an imposter in what you're doing. You don't necessarily feel like you're deserving of what you're doing or where you're at. So that, I guess, kind of falls into the whole low self-esteem thing that we were talking about. But I think there's probably more to it with imposter syndrome because I think you don't necessarily have to be like I wouldn't consider myself as having low self-esteem but I often experience having imposter syndrome. I think it's a combination of not really believing that you're worthy of being where you are or like sometimes I literally won't think it at all right and I'll be so I'll be so good so confident in what I'm doing and then I'll just have one anxious day and I'll look at my podcast numbers and I'll think 
why on earth are this many people listening to me talk? Like, I, what am I offering them? <laughs> and then I get in my own head about it and I'm like, okay, that's it. I can't talk about anything like serious from now on. Like, who the fuck do I think I am dishing out this kind of content? Like, back in your box and convince myself like what I genuinely start having an existential crisis and I'm like what the fuck am I doing and then the next day it's like a switch has flicked and I'm back to myself I don't know sometimes I just randomly have anxious days I actually have been recognizing recently that it might be something to do with my cycle like my hormones like I feel like it always kind of happens at the same time in the month I don't know I need to start kind of tracking that better to work out if that is the case so that I can tell myself when it does happen and I see the pattern that it is just my hormones playing up. But anyway, so yeah, as <laughs> where was I? As I was saying, first of all, I think imposter syndrome can be a combination of not believing you should be where you are and also not seeing other people. So say like women in business, for example, like female CEOs can maybe often have Uh, imposter syndrome because they look around them and they might not see very many other female CEOs and then they think well why am I a female CEO and do you know what I mean it's it's also about representation it's about believing that you deserve to be where you are not only because of the work that you've done but also because of the people you look up to and the people that have paved the way and that kind of thing whether that just be your mum going to university the generation before you or whether it be someone from your town moving to London so like you can see that now in your journey. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Sometimes I just think it can build your confidence seeing other people doing things and having that representation and knowing that that could be something that you could achieve. And when you don't have that, often imposter syndrome can come into play. Another big reason we self-sabotage can be anxiety. When anxious thoughts get in the way and when you start overthinking certain scenarios, it is so easy to just self-sabotage, whether that be actively or passively. I think we can be our own worst enemies in our brains sometimes when we get these like anxious thoughts and we kind of, we almost make something out of nothing. Like we make an anxious thought turn into a reality, like a bad reality for ourselves. (laughs) Does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like I do that all the time. Avoidance behaviors and procrastination. This actually, when I was looking up avoidance behaviors and procrastination, apparently it is a form of anxiety, which would make a lot of sense to me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I guess because you're avoiding something that maybe you know is gonna make you anxious or oh god I don't know I need to sit down and talk to someone about this one for me to be honest okay anyway we can also self-sabotage because of past trauma so like as a trauma response or even as like a stress response in stressful situations as well it can be how your brain or how your body responds to that why am I telling you all the different ways or sorry, all the different reasons that we self-sabotage, you may ask, because one might think it's a bit of a pointless thing to list off. It's like, yeah, we get it. And now what? (laughs) Tell me something I don't know. But I think it's really important to be able to know that these are all ways that you do self-sabotage, because before I sat down and started to look into this topic, I wouldn't have necessarily seen these actions or these behaviors or these things that I would have done as forms of self-sabotage but now that I can see it in front of me like as a list and I know that that is a form of self-sabotage I will now be able to recognize when I'm doing that and I think the first step in anything and like being able to work on yourself in any capacity is being able to recognize what the action is that you're doing and then work out why you're doing that action. So like to first of all be able to know that what you're doing is a self-sabotaging thing instead of just like naively living your life and letting that happen and continuing to self-destruct and continuing to self-sabotage and not doing anything about it and never recognizing that it's a problem but always causing chaos in your life like obviously that's not a good thing. 
I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> um, so to be able to know, first of all, why you're doing these things. Well, sorry, first of all, that it is a self-sabotaging behavior. And second of all, why you're doing these things then not only can you recognize it with yourself and kind of sit down with yourself and be like, right, I'm doing this when this happens. This is my response to my brain when this happens, or this is how I respond to this person when, you know, in this certain scenario, why am I doing that? Because then when you work out why you're doing that, you can start to unpack that a bit more. You can start to then when it plays out in real life, be able to recognize it on the spot, prevent the behavior, or if not prevent the behavior, then at least maybe be able to correct the behavior after in a way. Or if it's something, you know, that you do, let's say to another person, if someone else is involved in the situation, often self-sabotaging can be things that actually don't really affect other people, but often they can be things that do affect people. Like when we self-sabotage in relationships or in friendships and in families and things like that. I'm actually going to get into self-sabotage in relationships in a little minute because I feel like that's a whole other topic in itself. And I actually do want to do a whole episode on that. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a second. If someone else is involved in the scenario, it means you can then also tell them, look, I recognize that that was what I was doing and I want to correct it by doing this and just say like in future, if you ever see me doing this again, like please know that it's because of X, Y, and Z and I'd appreciate if you pulled me up on it or or just say like it's something that I'm working on and whether you want to just think about those things and reflect on them in your head or whether you want to journal about it I feel like journaling is always beneficial and kind of getting that out on a page can be a lot more confronting and also more what's the word like it's no longer just something in your head it's actually something you're physically writing down and going to work on or acknowledge or come back to at least maybe at some point. It's not just going to escape your brain and you're just going to fall into the same pattern over and over again. Let's talk a little bit about self-sabotaging within relationships. People definitely self-sabotage if they're scared of commitment. They're maybe not quite ready for the relationship even though, though they may absolutely love the person a bit and it might be the right person and the right everything else but they're scared of commitment it could also be fear of getting hurt if they've been hurt in previous relationships it can be down to attachment styles which literally goes right back to how you were brought up and then you know your relationships after that so people that have like insecure and avoidant attachment styles can tend to be quite self-sabotage in relationships not all the time but yeah you can have a tendency to do that Another reason could be if you kind of hold unhealthy relationship beliefs. So let's say, for example, you didn't witness a healthy relationship with your parents. So now you don't really believe that healthy relationships exist or your version, sorry, of a healthy relationship, what you establish from looking at other people in your life isn't quite so healthy so you self-sabotage in those scenarios because that's what you've kind of been shown to do and another reason is just that you could be used to toxicity yourself and so if you've had multiple toxic relationships or maybe toxic breakups and then you're all of a sudden in a healthy relationship your nervous system is used to that chaos and that toxicity and that constant highest highs and lowest of lows and you know screaming crying and shouting arguments but then also so obsessed with each other the next day or like going to bed constantly anxious and crying with that pit in your stomach but then having the highest of highs is that I don't know like I've experienced this and now being in a healthy relationship it is like it's very confronting and that's why I was saying I do actually want to do a full episode on this but it is something I'm definitely working on like I think going through a really toxic five month breakup that was full of so much chaos and so much emotion and so much anxiety to then being in literally the most healthy like loving 
two-sided relationship I've ever experienced is it's a huge shock to your nervous system and your brain and your body wants to seek out that like that drama almost it's like you were addicted to this this chaos before and all of a sudden it's like so calm but then your body thinks it's the calm before the storm so you're almost like preempting things that are going to happen even when they're not so then you're maybe like creating problems yourself yeah this is definitely something I'm living at the moment I'm so blessed and grateful to be in a healthy relationship but as I said with that comes other things I have to confront and things I have to deal with because of previous relationships and I think there can be a lot of triggers yeah that's what I'll say for now because I want to keep the rest of this topic for a full episode maybe I'll get one of my friends to come on and discuss the topic with me I feel like it'd be a good one to talk to another girl about Right, so what kind of things can we ask ourselves to work on this self-sabotaging behaviour and to unpick why we're doing this and why ultimately, obviously, something in our brain doesn't want us to move forward with this behaviour or, you know, it obviously there's something subconsciously in our brain that's making us self-sabotage. So to unpack that there's a few things we need to ask ourselves like maybe these could be a couple of journal prompts for you if you did want to sit down and like work this out yourself first question is is your behavior aligning with your wants and goals and if not why then work out what behavior would align with your wants and goals okay look at the difference of what you're doing now and then what you would like your behavior to be in order to align with your wants and goals and see what needs to change in order to make that a reality. Then ask yourself what's stopping you because I know for me anytime I ask myself this question I know the answer is no one but myself. (laughs) I am the only person stopping me from doing anything a lot of the time and I know that that's actually a very privileged thing to be able to say because a lot of people do have lots of things stopping them and obstacles in the way of things but I know for me like a lot of just like smaller things on a day-to-day basis like just things I know I could be doing better in my day and things I could be spending my time more productively on I know I'm my own worst enemy in those scenarios and I know I'm the only person getting in the way of that so ask yourself what's stopping you a lot of the time it will just be you but there will be other things where you might need to take other steps in order to be able to suss those things out. Ask yourself, are you afraid of success or failure? Because obviously if you're afraid of either one of those things, and you might ask why on earth would you be afraid of success, but a lot of limiting beliefs can mean that you're afraid of success. I'll talk about that in a second. But obviously if you are afraid of either one of those things, that's going to prevent you from moving forward with anything because you're not you're afraid of the outcome no matter whether that be successful or failing but why might you be afraid of success you might have like beliefs or kind of stereotypes in your head of what you think success looks like that means you don't necessarily want that but what success looks like is different to absolutely everyone across the board and just because one person's version of success is having flashy things and not necessarily being happy so you automatically think well I don't want success in that way so I don't want to move in that way but like what about I don't know your yoga instructor that is literally the biggest ray of sunshine and is so content in their life and every time you walk into their class like you just feel like they take you to another planet and you feel so happy leaving the room and you know that they're so content in their life and you that is their version of success like why can't you look at that and see success in that way like there's so many different people you can look to for inspiration for success you don't have to look at big CEOs earning top money with flashy cars and watches there are so many different versions of success and I think you need to work out what success looks like to you so that you don't have success as being this like negative stereotype that you don't want to get to and therefore won't move forward in a way because you're afraid of reaching that does that make sense because once you can accept that success won't look like 
that on you it won't look like a negative way on you then you'll be able to move forward in the way you want success to look like on you sorry if I didn't word that very well and then the other side of that is just accepting that failure is inevitable and it's always going to happen and every failure that happens in your life is one step closer to it not being a fail basically it's like every 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 failed relationship is one step closer to you finding your person that's exciting And with every failure comes lessons, sometimes hard lessons, sometimes easier lessons and sometimes lessons that feel like that was a lot on my life for me to just learn this one thing. However, at least I know I have that moving forward. Next question to ask yourself is do you believe that you deserve more or better? So like in the relationship example let's say if you genuinely don't believe that you deserve better than a toxic relationship, obviously you're going to self-sabotage when you have someone that treats you like a princess. Because you'll think, what have I done to deserve this? I don't deserve this. They're going to break up with me. They're going to cheat on me. They're going to do something. So like, I'm going to self-sabotage and ruin this first. So you need to genuinely believe from the bottom of your heart that you do deserve more and better in every aspect of your life from your relationships, from your friendships, from yourself, ultimately. I think that's like the most important thing is deserving you believe, wait, what? Deserving you believe in yourself? (gasps) Believing you deserve in yourself, sorry. (laughs) Wow, my brain is really screaming out to me to finish this podcast. What was that that just came out of my mouth? We are actually coming to the end here. But yeah, I think if you can sit down and journal about this and recognise what your self-sabotaging behaviours are, what triggers them, you know, why you're doing them, ask yourself all those questions that I just listed off, then you can consciously start to work towards correcting those behaviours and, you know, realising when that's coming up and actively choosing what you can do instead in those scenarios. I think therapy also is obviously a great tool for this, but It's not something that's accessible to absolutely everyone, which I obviously recognise, which is why journaling can be great for these things. But yeah, I do actually think I'm going to start therapy again soon. I've been looking into it. So I'll keep you updated on that journey. I'm going to round off the episode here, but if you guys have any questions, because obviously I said that I'm going to do a whole other episode talking about kind of like self-sabotaging within relationships and going from toxic to healthy relationships and how healthy relationships can be quite confronting and triggering for people that have experienced toxicity in relationships. So if you have any questions regarding those kinds of topics, please send them my way and I will start getting that episode prepared for sometime in the near future. But that's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. If you did, don't forget to give me a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it on your Instagram story. I love seeing where you guys are listening to the episodes. As always, thank you all so much for your continued love and support. It means the absolute world to me. I will speak to you in next week's episode. Have a gorgeous week. Love you. Bye.